difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We are back once again, ladies and gentlemen, only on, it is Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now join me on the line, this man here. Well, last time out, it was Rock'em Sock'em Robots. It was knockdowns. It was knockouts. It was perhaps the fight of a year. A lot of people were very excited about it. But now he's going to be coming back, looking for a win. Well, August 14th, he'll be on... Well, a big card. We're looking forward to it here. I give you once again from Russia with love, Bo. He's now training and living out of Miami, Oklahoma. I no, Miami, you. Florida. In Florida, oh, he's right. he's traded up. He's he's traded up for the big bucks, as they say. I give you the beast himself. I give you Ivan Baranchik. Uh, Ivan, you're taking on Montana Love. Your next fight. Uh, how excited are you about getting back into the ring, about just doing something that for you makes sense, fighting? Uh, I'm so excited. I'm tired to like sit at home and train every day and prove myself. And I want to show you guys I'm back. I'm hungry. I'm excited. For my next fight. August 29th is going to be the fight. You're taking yes. on Montana Love. Uh, yes. Do you find it weird that the main event is between a UFC fighter and a YouTuber? It's not going to be headlined by boxers. It's not going to be headlined by world champions. It's headlined by a YouTuber and a guy who's coming from MMA. Uh, I don't know. I don't see uh fight uh, YouTuber. I don't see fight um, UFC guy. But I think it's will be interesting. This is entertainment, and uh, this is improve popular boxing. You know, I think this is um like something new, and this is the best. I like it. I like it. <laughs> How much does it mean to you that it's going to be a popular fight? So there's going to be a lot of people watching you. And for, you know, you're still one of those guys who hardcore boxing fans love. A lot of casuals don't know you yet. How, how much for you do you look at this and go, it's a chance for me to become more popular. It's a chance for me to become, you know, bigger with a non-boxing crowd. Yes, yes, this is biggest opportunity for me and a lot of people to watch uh, this blogger or MMA fighter and of course uh, they watch into me and uh, yeah, this is big, big, big opportunity for me to popular myself and uh, my team and this is great, this is great for me. Let's break down your opponent. It's Montana Love. Uh, yeah. He's fought as low as 140 pounds. He's fought as big as 150. He's he's undefeated, 15 and 0 with seven knockouts. What makes him a good fighter? Like from what you and your team have seen, like what makes him 
an effective guy to fight against? Um, this uh, he's a good fighter. He's a good boxer. Um, this no problem for me. His weight like a little bit upper than 140, maybe right now. But uh, I'm not 142 right now. <laughs> I'm the same. The same. Uh, my weight is a little bit more, and. Uh, I think it will be a great fight, and uh, for me, it's um, it will be great. Uh, for me, it is great for return to to box to to the ring. It's a good fight for me, you know. It's a different kind of fighter than your last guy. He's more of a boxer. He's not going to stand and trade. He's not going to be a guy who's going to try to knock you out with one punch. He likes to, to box. He likes to move around. Is that something that you feel helps you, having a guy who's more less pressure but more for you able to bully him? But this fight might be a fight where you look and go, I can bully him and make him do my kind of fight. I understand. Yes, yes. I understand he will move uh whole fight and I prepared to the I think 10 rounds will be 10 rounds I prepare for 10 rounds and uh, uh, I work a lot a lot about my legs and uh, it's no problem for me I know his style I know everything and I will do Everything's perfectly. <laughs> Take us back to the last fight. It was you versus Jose Zapeda. Zapeda. Yeah, yeah. If it was a boxing nirvana, it'd be that fight. It was just wall-to-wall action, lots of knockdowns, lots. You know, there was body punches, there was uh, uppercuts, there was everything there. How much of that fight for you was tough in that it was just constant, you know, punishment, constant attack. The two of you, it seems, never let up from trying to just punch a hole through each other. Um, this is <laughs> your fight, fight of the year. I have a lot of mistakes before the fight, um, in the fight, and... Um, I will fix it everything, and I fixed already something. Uh, first of all, this is my mentality, and um, I think uh, August twenty nine, uh, you will see new, new me, my new my personality, and everything is great. How much do you look back at that first round and go, it, it, it was a killer, even though you knocked him down twice and that I'm guessing after that round, you went, okay, I can go for it. I can knock him out. How much do you look at it after that round one and go, I got away from what made me successful. I became too head hungry. I tried, I got too sloppy. 
Yeah, after this tuning down, I lose my concentration and I was crazy. And yeah, I, uh, I, I was crazy and um, I had a lot of, lot of mistakes. Yeah. Um, that's it. I'm watching the highlights here. And how do you do it? I mean, because there's there's been time I'm looking at that fight, and there are times that he's just hitting you with everything, and you get back up. And I'm guessing it's not fun when you have a guy like that who hits like a ton, who you know literally you know is just keeps on going. I mean, for you, how much was that fight just you going? How the how you get wow? What may how do you get up and and how do you keep walking through just a lot of sh punches where it's not you know these little pitter patters? He's you know loading up and hunting for bear, as they say. Um, this fight, I have a lot of adrenaline, and when I go down, um, maybe I don't understand anything and go up like automatically and go to continue, continue, continue fight. Uh, this is a lot of adrenaline in, in the fight. Um, I had a lot of adrenaline. How nervous was your family after the fight? Because you went to the hospital. Oh. And that never happens. And most of us who were watching are going, oh, crap, he really got hurt. I mean, this is, you know, we, we love knockouts. We love everything that goes on in boxing. But for most of us, when we see a fighter go to the hospital, we start getting worried. How tough was it for your family seeing that fight and going, okay, he wants to go back. He wants to do this again. What is wrong with you? You need to stop. Ivan, retire from boxing. Do something. Be a salesman, for God's sake. Don't be a boxer. Boxing's bad. <laughs> no, they they really, really nervous about me. Yeah. Uh, except my wife, my mother my sister, but uh, when I come to the hospital, when I came to the hospital, um, everything is good. I I feel good. I, I have some cat, uh, cat um, and that's it. Uh, I feel great and I remember my uh, wife's uh, phone number and I call her I say everything's good, mm, everything's well. I like sleep all night is good, and uh, in the morning I go out from the hospital. That's it. That's it. My promoter Tony Holden picked me up, and we go to eat ice cream. <laughs> If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we got Ivan Baranchik on the show. We're talking all things Jose Zepeda. We're talking his fight against Montana Love. We're talking fighting on pay-per-view. Uh, how do you get over a fight like that? Because I'm guessing there were probably just, you know, a little bit of nightmares, a little bit of just worry because it's a brutal fight. I mean, he... He gets knocked down five, you know, four times. You get knocked down four, you know, four times. 
there's a lot of people who after fights like that are gun shy because they've been just they took a lot of punishment. For you, how tough was it mentally getting back into the gym and not worrying about, am I gonna get hurt? Is everything okay? Do I gotta get you know brain damage? Is how much of this getting back from this fight is mental in terms of not worrying about what might not happen? I'm really, really tough mentally. Mentally, physically, I'm a man and I'm a real warrior and uh, nobody stopped me. I come back again and again and uh, I need just fix my mistakes. Uh, be smart in the fight. That's it. Your last three fights and two losses. And it's funny because you become more popular, though. I mean, most times guys lose two fights and people are like, oh, they're very terrible. They're not that great. You lost two fights and people went after Josh Taylor fight. Oh, he's pretty good. You lost to yeah. a Jose Zepain fight. Wow, this guy's an ant. You know, he's a warrior. He's He has balls. Do you, is it funny for you in a sense of, you know, you won all these fights and you were still under the radar. Now you've become more popular because of two losses. It, it, it's maddening. It does make sense, but it's boxing. First of all, it's not funny for me. Of course, of course. Everybody like it, but for me, it's not good. It's first of all. And... Uh, uh, I don't know how to say. Uh, I like boxing and um, I want to fight, continue and continue. I don't want to stop. This is, uh, yeah, I know, I know. I have two losses and um, it's no problem for me. I told you again, I'm mentally, I'm strong. I'm tough mentally, and I will be champion again, for sure. It all comes back down to August 28th. It's the big pay-per-view. It's you versus Montana Love. Montana yeah. Love. He, he, his team is confident, I'm guessing. They're looking going, he's not going to be the same fighter. Most fighters aren't the same after that fight against the Peta. They, you lose something. You, how, that, 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 that's a war within a war. That was only five rounds. And you took probably 12 rounds worth of punishment. The same as him. For you, how big is it, as you said, in this fight to be the new Ivan Baranchuk? Not, not go head hungry, not go all out for, you know, for blood. How big is it to find that happy medium of being aggressive but being smart? Uh, can you repeat again, please? Sure. Uh, How big question. is this fight just being patient and not getting over-aggressive? No, it's the biggest fight. It's the biggest fight. And uh, what do you say about aggressive? How do you, for this fight, how big is it for you not getting too aggressive, not being too... Um, you know. mm, uh, I, um, I have... Uh, uh, I have therapy with my uh, um, let's see. one second, one second. Uh, I translate one word. Um, I understand. Hey, hey, you're trying to make sure that you want to get your point across. I understand completely. 
psychologist. Yeah, I uh, I speak with my psychologist, and uh, I speak with my coach uh, about this, and um, everything's good. <laughs> I can do it. I can to like relax in the fight, like um, everything's control. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. I give you it is one of the most action-packed fighters in the industry. I give you it's Ivan Baranchik. Uh, Ivan, before I let you go, where can fans check you out at? Where is your Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Oh, my Instagram, Ivan, uh, Ivan Baranchuk, the same like my first and last name and the same like twitter Ivan Baranchuk. you can find me follow me <laughs> and support me to my next fight Ivan Baranchuk, ladies and gentlemen once again we are proud to have him on the show we come back we got Manny Montreal warming up for us only on last call last call with the alcohol only on the blue wire hustle now Again, ladies and gentlemen, only on its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on Blue Wire Hustle Network. And, well, we're going to have Manny Montreal on, but I, I called on Audible because, well, the Olympics are happening. It's happening literally within 24 hours or even a couple hours now. We had uh, Ivan Baranchuk on the show. Now I'm bringing the guy who's going to be covering the Olympics all the way from Greenwich, Connecticut, or somewhere there. But he's going to be following the boxing, and we're going to be talking about boxing. Well, what's going on with that in a whole while entertainment there with uh, the olympics i give you from uh si.com i give you it's jake donovan and of course bwa president jake donovan i gotta get out there so you can have it you know resident title <laughs> right hey, what's going on chris i got a slight correction uh you said si i'm actually boxing soon so uh, my apologies all right so <laughs> that's okay I, that's what's illustrated it would be a nice job though so let's start, let's start off here with the Olympics. Uh, it, how weird is it for all the fighters who they, – they're going and they're there, but it's like there's no fans, right. no crowds. It's going to be empty arenas. How weird is it going to be where these guys can now hear their corners, literally give shout-out instructions, and there's nobody else? It's, it's almost like fighting a sparring session. Yeah, the strangest thing is that um, us, those of us who are going to be watching it, are probably going to be more used to it than the ones who are competing in the Olympics. Because you got to remember, a lot of people, especially on the U.S. Olympic boxing team, they didn't actually go to qualifying tournaments because all of them got canceled. So they have little to no experience of what it's like to, to compete without crowds. 
So this could be a unique experience for them. Um, it's gonna be very interesting to see. I think uh, other countries might be at an advantage because the ones that were able to qualify, they were able to do so under those circumstances. So it's one of those things where once you get used to it, then you know you just kind of tune it all out. So very interested to see how team uh, how the U.S. Olympic boxing team does because we actually have a very strong squad, but you know those variables you never know what what's going to uh, play out once they're in the ring. Let's talk about the squads. This is once again pros are allowed to compete, and a lot of Team USA they're technically professionals, mm -hmm. but you know they only had a couple of fights. Right. What's your thoughts on that? Because you know, for years people said, "No, but this is just strictly amateur. It's strictly amateur, no pros. Right. Let's just have the kids have their way." What is your thoughts on it now that it's almost becoming more like fashionable? Well, I, I mean, you know, you go back to the, you know 1988 when the the U.S. Olympic basketball team, you know, lost. Uh, you know, they they weren't an automatic to go to the, uh, to win the gold medal. You know, that's when they decided. You know, they came out with the '92 Dream Team. They decided all these other countries are paying their amateurs. So for us, the only way to compete is to, you know, either put up pros or start paying our amateurs, which I guess, you know, we're starting to do that to a degree now, although it's too late for the Olympics. As far as boxing goes, I mean, there's so I think by my count, there's 28 pros who are in the Olympics this year. So as uh, compared to three from 2016. So the, um, the U.S. team almost had to come aboard. Originally, they weren't going to. Their original team was two men and five women. And then they allowed Keyshawn Davis, they allowed Troy Isley and Duke Reagan to all join the team. So all three of them had already turned pro. None of them thought they were going to the Olympics. So I kind of like that they're at least experimenting with it. What we saw in 2016 was it didn't quite translate. You know, it wasn't like, oh my God, the pros had such an advantage over the amateurs because, you know, they were all pretty far past it. So this year should be more interesting because it's guys who are, you know, uh, they're probably at the peak of their amateur career and at the beginning of their pro career. So I think it'll be a bit more advantageous in, in these games. So it's not going to necessarily be the team with the most pros will win the most gold medals. Although I am picking Uzbekistan to win kind of for that reason, although also because of their past success in the Olympics. But um, I, I do think it's going to be more advantageous in these games. I'm, I've been dying to ask, what is it about Uzbekistan that made them almost come out of nowhere? I mean, usually it was... <laughs> Traditional powerhouse, you know, Russia, right. Cuba, the, the UK really got into it, and they've been stockpiling a lot of money into their amateur system. Where did you, Uzbekistan come from, and what is it about that program that's made them just a amateur dominant force? Well, you got to remember too. I mean, everything was under one conglomerate up until you know the everything broke up. So that's what you know. Uzbekistan doesn't have that rich history, but ever since then, yeah, they just been churning out uh, these stars. I mean, they had uh, uh, tremendous games in 2016 and they just kept building on the program ever since then. Uh, it could be, you know, a change in the, you know, in the way the Olympics are scored now. You know, it's not the pity pat punching. A lot of the Uzbekistan fighters are, are very aggressive as we've seen in the pros. So it's almost like they can bring that pro style to the, you know, the amateurs and especially to the Olympics. So, and, um, you know, the fact they have a bunch of people returning from 2016 too, you know, several of them who, um, they have like three or three or fewer pro fights, so it's not they're not like full blown pros. It's not like you know Marajan Akhmadaliyev is <laughs> is fighting in the Olympics again this year, but they do have um, you know a bunch of guys who have you know three fights. Some uh, they had the big card in April where a few guys made their pro debut just to kind of get that experience heading into the Olympics. So yeah, but I, I really like what's going on over there. So I, I like the fact that they they found success and they just kept continuing to build on it. I'm not necessarily sure it was out of nowhere. I think it was just something gradual. 
and then it finally peaked and they're just they're remaining at that peak right now give me the stories here give me the people to watch for in this games in terms of just they're a great story you've got to watch them doesn't they don't even have to be you know the the great pro prospects <laughs> give me some people you've been looking at going you know what this will be a fun a fun wild ride this guy you know he's going to be somebody or this gal they're going to be somebody just to watch because damn it they're just fun to they're fun and they have a great backstory yeah, it's hard to say because so many of the people that I'm going to say are, you know, to watch are ones that have already turned pro. And, you know, especially the ones who meddled in 2016, who are returning in 2020, um, just even limiting it to the U.S. team. Keyshawn Davis, um, they've made such uh, such tremendous hype about him. You know, they says he was the the U.S.'s uh, best chance of, of, you know, bringing home the first gold medal for the for the men's team since Andre Ward in 2004. He actually has a very tough bracket. And I, I said, if he's able to even medal, never mind win gold, he's going to have truly earned it because he's in a situation where he could wind up facing the number one seed as early as I believe the quarterfinal round. So I, I really like, you know, what I, uh, um, Keyshawn Davis, uh, just the fact that, you know, he was kind of booted from the Olympic team because he didn't want to go through a whole qualification process. He turned pro. He's fought twice on Canelo on the card. So he has a lot of momentum going for him. And then when, you know, he, he sat down with the, the, the Olympic Boxing Committee, you know, and they wanted to welcome back, he, he was all for it. So I like that opened the door for him, Troy Isley, Duke Reagan. So I'm very interested to see what uh, those guys could do. Uh, Jenny Fuchs, I'm really big on. She's in a very tough bracket, too, at fly, uh, Flyweight. There's no guarantee that she's going to win gold, but just everything she's overcome with her OCD, uh, it's been very well documented. I think she was even on an Oprah special, you know, talking about that. Uh, really interested to what she can see. Uh, what she can do. Uh, Rashida Ellis, you know, she's the sister of Rashidi Ellis, who's a, a pro boxer. Um, she has a very strong shot at winning uh, the lightweight division. Uh, she actually, she's the only uh, U.S. fighter who has a bye in the opening round. So, and I really like her chances. And then um, Naomi Graham, who's coming in with a lot of pressure at middleweight. Clarissa Shields, of course, uh, won back-to-back -back gold medals. So now the expectation is for Naomi to bring home, you know, to, to do the three-peat for uh, U.S. middleweights. One guy you have mentioned, and I want to talk cut, talk about him, is uh, Richard Torres. He yeah. was one of the few amateurs for Team USA. You mentioned before, you know, a lot of these guys are coming back who are pro. He's sort of stuck. I mean, you have Kambashaya Kumbayaev, and you have uh, Bahir Yalov, who has in Uzbekistan. Right. How tough is it for him that he, you know, he's coming back in a division where one guy who was a medalist, the other guy who barely was in there, he might be, he might have faced him within the first round or so. And they've had the advantage of being pro. They've had the advantage of, you know, right. In fights where there's crowds and all that going forward. Yeah. So one thing with Richard Torres, uh, when this, uh, the seedings came out this morning, it really worked out in his favor. He's the number three seed at super heavyweight. He won't have to face Bakadir Jalalov, who knocked him out very violently. You know, I think it was just uh, two years ago. Um, I, that's what I was worried about, that he would have to face, you know, Bakadir in the, in the second or third round. He actually probably won't face him until, if I have the bracket right, he, he could wind up facing him in the, in, uh, in the finals if they went out their respective brackets, because Bakadir is in the top bracket, uh, Richard Torres is in the bottom one. So I like his little, you know, shot at redemption here. I think he could win a bronze. Very interesting about super heavyweight. We have not won a fight in that weight class since Larry Donald which I believe was in, two, I want to say 2000. Yeah, 2000. Um, so it's you know, been a very, very long time since we've uh, won a fight there. We've only medaled twice uh, 
Daryl Biggs and Riddick Bowe. So it's going all the way back to 1988. It's one of our longest droughts in terms of, you know, bringing home a medal. So um, the way the seating shook out, Richard Torres, I, I kind of like his chances. I like his style too. He, he's a fun fighter. So very curious to see what he could do as a pro, not sure of his ceiling, but I think he should find some success in these next two weeks. How weird is it going to be where usually it's, this is like the great, almost like draft party for boxing promoters. Maybe they'll sit there back, they'll look, and they'll start going, okay, this guy did pretty well. This guy did pretty well. We're going to sign him. Maybe that's what helped launch guys like Oscar De La Hoya. That's what helped launch guys like Shakur Stevenson, even you know, to a minor extent, guys like Teofimo Lopez. They all you know, had nice Olympics or they came out. They looked pretty good in their fights. Even guys like Errol Spence. How weird is it that there's not many guys who are unsigned. They're all signed pro prospects. Give me some names right. that, you know, haven't been signed yet that you're looking at going, okay, PBC, Al Heyman, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, they're going to be looking at them. They're going to be watching them. And how many of those guys are non-Americans? Um, you know, that, that's a very good question because it just to seem like, you know, so many uh, fighters are already attached. Like, is the – Guys from Uzbekistan, the ones who aren't already signed with Vadim Kornilov, you expect to sign with him. So, um, the Team USA, it's like a lot of you know those guys. They're you know uh, Keyshawn Davis. He's kind of he, I think he knows the path he wants to go. Duke Reagan and Troy Isley are already with top rank. So it's it's really hard to predict that. I'm not even sure of the interest that's out there. It seems like there's more managers that are scouting these. Like promoters, um, they don't seem to be in a hurry anymore to sign you know, these medalists, I think they just kind of, you know, waiting to see how the tournament plays out and then go from there. It's not like, you know, you know, in the past, it's like you, you knew the moment they entered the Olympics, you know, where they were going to go. Like 2012, you kind of got the sense that, you know, PBC was going to, well, it wasn't even PBC at the time, but Al Heyman, you know, Louis Dacubas, they were already well scouting that entire team. So I'm not sure we're really seeing that uh, anymore. Cause even like in 2016, everyone was really spread out on the U S Olympic boxing team. So um, it, it's something I haven't really give, uh, gave a lot of thought just because, you know, there's so many pros, so many guys that are already attached. And they're the ones I just really been focusing on because so many of them are already favored to win each, um, each bracket. It's funny. Usually Olympics, the home crowd, you know, the home country always has a lot of guys fighting there because it's, you know, we remember when, uh, two, when I think it was 1996 UK, they had their party in Brazil. They had some guys, they did pretty well. Does Japan have anybody? And, and are you are you shocked that for a country that is big in combat sports, that does very well in, you know, whether it's, you know, UFC, mixed martial arts, even wrestling, they haven't taken up boxing. Boxing to them is still one of those things where it's like, okay, it looks okay. We're just, you know, we're really not into it. <laughs> yeah, this is, I, I was surprised that they don't have as much representation as they do. I believe they only have, um, if I have my notes right, they only have four fighters. Uh, represented and only one is going to you know has even a shot at at meddling i think their best chance is going to be uh in in the women's division but you know they're, they're very tough brackets this year so but you kind of expect you know not that you know we want to say there's going to be corruption but it just always seems to find it in the amateur system um with japan i i'd be very surprised if they get shut out but they you know they have a very shallow team they're really not making it easy on themselves in these games especially with you know at every every bracket is just so competitive where there's no guarantee that one could just, you know, completely walk to the, the, the metal round. Speak last two questions. Let's go. You mentioned corruption yep. and we, we got to talk about that because that's the elf in the room here. 
Right. Boxing was nearly killed off. I mean, the Olympic Committee was at one point ready to go, screw this. It's just right. not worth it. You guys are always in trouble. You're always in the news. You can't even, you know, keep your nose straight for a week here. Is this right. for, is, is this the biggest thing for boxing? They have to have a clean Olympics. There can't be any more scrutiny because you get the sense that the Olympics are ready to go, screw this. We're, we're, yeah. we're done with you guys. If you make one more mistake, you're literally, all, you know, you're off the reservation. Well, they kind of took that approach already with 2020. Um, this is the first one and at least the, the one I can remember for a long time where, you know, AIBA is not involved, that they pretty much desanctioned them in terms of like being involved in the Olympics. The IOC wants nothing to do with them. They made them, you know, they had to elect a new president, which they did. Um, they had their little six month report, AIBA, you know, talking about all the steps they've made to, to clean up their organization. Their focus is now on 2024 Paris. But so that's that's a huge step going into this Olympics. Like this is the first one. Like they took notice of all the horrible decisions that came about in 2016. Um, they suspended, you know, several of those judges on the spot. We thought that was going to be it, but they actually went a step further. You know, they just kept. Um, they were disgusted by the the interim president that was appointed, who was affiliated with corruption and you know all sorts of <laughs> criminal activity. So they got rid of him. They hired. Uh, they elected a new president. So we'll, we'll see where Aiba goes, but at least they're not here to cause any damage in these Olympics. So that is one sign of optimism. And it seems like they're, um, the Olympics are trying to adjust. They're figuring out what hasn't worked in the past. You know, 2016 was the first time in decades where they went, you know, they, they ditched the headgear. Uh, now the one I'm looking forward to in this one is um, women, instead of fighting four two minute rounds, they're gonna be fighting three three minute rounds. So this could be a nice little audition for three minute rounds in the pro ranks for, for women. So, you know, they keep saying, you know, if you want us to fight three minutes, you got to pay us like men, but now's the chance to see, okay, well, if these fights are, you know, and I find women's boxing very entertaining, don't get me wrong, but if these fights, you know, start producing more knockouts or more, you know, action as opposed to just, you know, boxing, that could be some, that could be a game changer for the pro ranks as well. So th there are a lot of steps going into, you know, taking these Olympic games very seriously, not just kind of passing the buck as has always been the case in years past, because as they kept doing that, each game keeps, uh, kept seeming to get worse and worse. So I, I'm, I, I'm blindly, maybe blindly, but I am optimistic about um, as clean of an Olympic games as we'll have seen in, in years. Finally, I got to ask this because it always happens. You know that. Okay. There's always a Cuban who defects. We've seen it, and they're ever looking around going, hey, this might be made of boxing. Hey, this David Morrell kid's <laughs> making money here. He didn't even go to the Olympics. So if anybody, if you, if you could pick any Cuban Olympic boxing Olympian right now that you wish will defect, and he'll go pro, and then all of a sudden he'll be on either Fox or ESPN or DAZN, give me one Cuban you, that you're looking at going, damn it, I want to see him in the pro just because I think he could be a star. This guy is talented. Damn it, I want to see him against the pros. Ah, man, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to go with Lazaro Alvarez, who, Alvarez, excuse me, who is uh, favored to do very well in the featherweight division. And then Andy Cruz, who at lightweight, he actually owns three wins over Keyshawn Davis in the, in the amateurs. So um, the, the guys who, you know, <laughs> we saw Robisi Ramirez go pro. So that was, you know, the one I really liked in, in 2016. So those are the two. Maybe Arlen uh, Lopez, the light heavyweight, uh, the red, like Julio Cesar La Cruz, he could stay in, in Cuba. He can keep meddling over there for all I care. Some of those guys I just don't want to see, but I'm, I'm going to go with Lazaro Alvarez and Andy Cruz. Those will be my two picks from the team. What do, you do you think anyone will defect? Or is, 
because of COVID, it's going to be one of those things where we're all like, okay, damn it, we can't hide. There's nobody, we can't just blend into a crowd and run. No, we're, we're screwed here, people. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to rat anyone out. I'm just going to limit it to those are the two guys I want to see eventually make their way to the pros, maybe sign with. Um, yeah, it seems like PBC or or a top rank has been you know signing them, but uh, you know I I think both of those will fit well in the PBC system, especially given those uh, weight classes. Well, very heavily, gentlemen. Once again, we give you it is none other than our the B the BWA president, the man who's going to be covering this whole shindig. Unfortunately, off week in Connecticut, I yes. give you it's uh, Jake Donovan. And uh, Jake, before we let you go, where yeah. can fans check you out? At? Where you know where can they find a uh, more of your work besides, of course, you know, the boxing scene.com, NBC Olympics, you know, the, the BWAA, like where's the Twitter page, Instagram, the website, where else can fans hit you up at? Absolutely. And before I give you that, I'm actually going to make sure the fans know where to watch these Olympic games because that's been coming up. So you can go on NBCOlympics.org to check out all the games. Um, they're going to be shown live. You're just going to have to be up late because we're doing everything Tokyo time. But USA Network will be showing um, select fights Every day, the time slots are going to range from anywhere from 3 p.m. Eastern to 4.45 p.m. Eastern. So your viewers heard it before I even had a chance to write it. <laughs> so um, as far as where they can follow me on Twitter, it's at Jake and the Box, Jake and then N-D-A-B-O-X. And then Instagram, same name, except with the underscore at the end. And on Facebook, I believe I'm Jake and the Box on there as well. Or you could just look up Jake Donovan. Jake Donovan, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you got to follow him. He'll be covering the Olympics, finding out what's going on, probably breaking scoops as they happen. All this and more, though. Once again, you can check him out at theboxingscene.com, uh, NBC Olympics, all that more. We come back. we got final thoughts only on it is last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Back once again, ladies and gentlemen, only on its last call. Last call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now joining, well, we want to thank my two wonderful guests we had earlier, Ivan Baranchik. Always love talking to him, catching up with him, and wish him best of luck. August 28th is going to be none other than his big fight coming up with Montana Love on the Logan Paul versus Tyrone Woodley fight card. Say what you want about it. It has some good fights. I'm looking forward to this fight here. Plus, Jake Donovan of NBC Sports, also of the Olympic coverage and the boxing scene and the BWAA president. Always great catching up with him, talking Olympic boxing, what's going on about that. Starts this Friday, as we said, only on NBC. And it's going to be, 
as I said, you usually talk about UFC fights, talk about boxing. I want to talk about the Olympics, though, because it's a weird time. And look, COVID is still is there. And I, look, I'm not going to get into a whole, are you vaccinated? Are you not? You know, are you Republican, Democrat, liberal? This is, it's simple. You, if you get COVID, you're out of a lot of things. And Japan has been really hit hard. They are not getting vaccinated enough. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a country. Maybe the way it's been rolled out. But you're going to be seeing a lot of arenas where it's just weird. And for MMA fans, you're going to be going, oh, yeah, well, we've experienced this. For boxing fans, like, yeah, we've experienced this. For a lot of athletes, though, this is going to be a weird time. Because there's going to be no crowds. There's going to be no fans. There's going to be no atmosphere. And... If you've ever played sports, that's what you love. You crave. You want to be, you know, playing in front of fans, playing in front of crowds, you know, achieve something and see your family there cheering you on as you have come in either first place, second place, third place. And it's it's not going to happen. And I feel for a lot of these athletes because four years ago, Everybody was talking about Brazil, you know, the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, and you had these hot crowds, you had people who were cheering, it was like a party scene down there. It's going to be a ghost town. And what makes it worse is that the home country doesn't want it. They were adamant about, we don't want to keep, you know, cancel the Olympics. I mean, when you when the entire population, 80% of them is saying, we don't want this. Please get rid of it. You know you're just walking into a bad thing. And as I said, we, we've talked with some of the Olympians here. You know, Richard Torres, the Tamara Mensa Stock, the you know, Alex Sancho. And they're all excited about this because for them, it's, like, it's a game changer. It's what they've been working for their entire life. And yet you keep hearing about how it's going to be. No fans, uh, isolation, anybody gets COVID, they're sent home. And it, you, as I said, it's just heartbreaking. Because this is something that for many people in this in these games, they have spent four years of their life working, sweating, sacrificing, busting their ass to get to this place. And I just, you look and you go... It, this should, this should if it was if life was fair. And I know that's asking a lot. If life was fair, they'd be able to have crowds there. If life was fair, they'd be able to just literally have people in the stadiums who are cheering them on. But it's not, and unfortunately, you're going to see these Olympics, which for the United States, it's going to be it's going to be a pain in the ass because you you thought you know Europe was a bad time zone. Japan's going to make that look like, you know, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You're going to be looking at 12-hour time differences. A lot of sports are probably going to be on tape delay because you had to put them on tape delay because it just, they don't, you know, cons- they don't jive with our schedules. It's just going to be an absolute nightmare for this Olympics. And look, there's some sports I'm looking forward to. As I said, I love Olympic boxing when you have these stories of these guys who come out of nowhere. Uh, I'm a sucker for Olympic wrestling. 
where you have a lot of athletes who are just so passionate about their country. You know, hand over heart, the flag is, you know, raised, the anthem is playing, and they are just in tears because they have achieved that. They have represented the country. And that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm not even talking about just Americans. I'm talking Mongolians, Russians, Japanese, Israelis, Iranians. You know, it's, it's just that national pride. I'm looking forward to Taekwondo, Karate, uh, Judo. I want, I'm looking forward to seeing how the softball team is playing because it, there's an American female so, uh, you know, softball player who re- many people say is just absolute bananas, just one of the best in the world. And if you don't watch female softball, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be just that good. Hell, I'm looking forward to, you know, even just – Swimming. I'm looking, as I said, I want things to, I want it to be just a fun Olympics. And I'm hoping that, you know, things get better. I'm hoping there's no protests. I, I'm just sick of it as an American. I, I, this is what I, can't, I think everybody doesn't get who want to see all these, well, they can protest in the middle of things. It's once out of four years. This is what unites people. You're rooting for your country. You're rooting for, you know, your guy. You're rooting for national pride. And the last thing you want to see are just a bunch of athletes who want to make political statements say this. This is no longer the 1960s and 70s where it's doing platform. You have social media. You can do that. But for the Olympics, I'm looking forward to just hopefully the best that they can make it considering everything that the hell is going on with COVID in the world. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. But. We get rabbits up. So once again, for my wonderful guest, for Ivan Baranchik, for Jake Donovan, this is Chris Connor saying I'm out of here. I'm going to be now watching my Olympic coverage. You can stay tuned for that, but stay tuned also for more great action coming up once again, ladies and gentlemen, only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. You're listening to Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network.